0: Hi, and welcome to the Paramedics for Children podcast. My name is Daniel Vandenberg, and I'm a board member for Paramedics for Children. This is an international nonprofit providing medical care, education, and disaster relief. Together with Sarah, my fellow board member and wife, I recorded a series of conversations with Roger Harrison, who founded the organization in 1997 and continues to run it from Copan Rinas in Honduras. In these podcasts... Roger tells us about building and operating the charity from Hacienda La Esperanza, his home and headquarters of Paramedics for Children. In this episode, Roger tells us about what brought him to start Paramedics for Children and how he laid the foundations that make the organization what it is today. If you want to learn more about us and support the work that we do, please visit paramedicsforchildren.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Never, don't, never, don't, never, don't, never, don't, never, don't, never do it. Let me think here. How did everything get started? And you know, and I, and I guess um, it all started. Uh, actually, it started uh, started way back in the mid seventies after I'd come out of college started to work with a real estate company. We were the largest realtor in our little Pueblo town. Mm -hmm. And we were the biggest builder, developer. Uh, My dad was a very strong, single-minded guy about some things and taught me a lot about business. Kind of like maybe a Donald Trump thing. You know, you got to be on top. You got to make money. You got to shoot the other guy before he shoots you. So, I spent my first 20... Years of my working life, I guess you could call it your working life. You know, when you get out of school and you, you actually stop calling your mother or your father for money, you're making your career, you know, you, you can buy your own clothes and you don't have to ask anybody, how, you know. Um, with that said, uh, I was doing pretty good. I went to work with my dad and uh, I had a real job. He said, he said, if you want to come work here, first of all, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to sell dad why do you want to sell? I said, there's money in it. There's a lot of money in it. I want to sell, make commissions, do very little work, become rich. He said, well, if you're going to sell houses, you have to understand how they're built. So here's the deal. You have to come in, you have to work with all of the subcontractors mm-hmm. for two or three weeks or until I feel like you've been tortured enough. And so uh, that's what I started doing, working with all these workers, which really gives you an incredible insight into a business is about i think if anybody owns a factory and from there i got to make my first real estate sale nobody had a lot of money so my first contract i had the guy's signature in his wristwatch which my dad said at that time you probably are going to be a good salesman can't have money but i needed it It says you know for one dollar or other other considerations monetary considerations i got his watch That's how I got into selling real estate. And that was really a good business for me as a young man, you know, growing up in the seventies and then the eight, then, you know, coming into the eighties, having my first child, I was making very good money. Uh, Myself and my ex-wife, we had, you know, what you call a fairly nice disposable income. And uh, suddenly one night I was at the country club uh, with my wife and and uh, my parents, and you know, enjoying the toast of the town, being you know pretty pretty good at what I did, making money for the family. And uh, I got buttonholed by a local car dealer, and he uh, said, "Oh, you're doing great. You're doing really great. You're so smart. Everybody thinks you're so smart of <laughs> And he was drunk as a skunk, and. He was fat as a pig, and he was spitting, he was eating crackers at the bar. I remember this? had a navy blue jacket on. He's spitting these cracker crumbs on my jacket. Oh. Oh. And I'm wiping him off and, you know, kind of smiling at him like all young people do with older people. And just grabbed me by my lapel <laughs> on my jacket he said, you know, you need to, the, the key to everything is making money. You don't make money, you don't make shit. And suddenly, for me, uh... Daniel, I looked at his, I looked and I realized, my God, I'm looking at myself 20 years in the future. This is me I'm talking to. And at that point in time, I decided, this is just not what I want to do. And I had, and I was just before the age of 40, I had made a pretty good, pretty big real estate deal with my dad where I would have made, you know, uh, well, as I always said, I set a goal and I don't want to, you know, embarrass myself. I actually have no problem embarrassing myself, but, um, you know, to say this, but I had set a sum of money that if I ever made that, I could retire. Mm -hmm. And I was saving my money like crazy. I was working hard, saving my money. And I told my dad, I said, if I make this deal, I quit. I walked back to the table, I looked at my mom and dad, and I said, Dad, you know that deal we're working on? He said, yeah. I said, well, if I make that deal, I quit. And he just looked at me and laughed. He said, you're drunk. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, what did did so-and-so tell you at the bar? I said, more than you can ever believe, Bob. And uh, so I made the deal. And at the age of 40, I had enough money in the bank that I could quit. For how long, I don't know. In this day and age, particularly when you're young, you want cars. And Mm. at one time, I had three Corvettes, a couple of airplanes, and trying to, you know, just living the, the high life, which I think all of us do. You know, everybody from the age of 25 on wants to make money, and then probably when you hit around 40, you start thinking, what's it all about? You got kids, you're thinking about life, you're, you, 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 you're, your triangle gets a little different. And so uh, I said, look, I, I, uh, I, I'm really unhappy with this. And, of course, my ex-wife said, oh, you're going through a midlife 40-year-old crisis. I've got a friend named mm-hmm. Bob that's a psychiatrist. He can talk to you. And I, so I talked to oh, Bob, yeah. and I realized more than ever, he was the last person I wanted to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of these on-track psychologists that was going to get me back in the in the groove. Right. He said, Roger, you just lost your groove. Because, you know, back to we all wore leisure suits. So you're in the groove, or you're in the groove, or you're out of the groove. John Travolta, yay. But, you know, my life is a, is a tapestry, as yours is. And Sarah's, we all... You know, Sarah's starting her own, you know, big business and she's, you know, making a lot of of uh, well, she's like the duck, you know, on the top of the surface of the water she looks calm, but underneath them little feet are just digging <laughs> in, you know. Yeah. And and I think I think, you know, Sarah Daniel, I think we all find ourselves in that position in life where we're just, you know, paddling like hell, trying to look cool on top of the on the surface. But underneath, where you going? Like, what the hell am I doing? Which foot goes where? How? Where? Paddle, 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 paddle. And <laughs> you know, sometimes actually you get your feet screwed up. You start paddling in reverse. I don't know if you guys have done that yet. Where? Where am I going? Where are we going? It's always a self-checking thing. But anyway, and I'm and I'm, I'm going to change that to a more shorter version. You rediscover yourself, and everybody, basically, although they know what or not, reinvent themselves every morning when they get up. You know, who is the gorilla in the mirror looking at me? I don't know you. Well, you know, you and Sarah are young. You know, you're in your 30s and 20s or wherever you guys are. And, uh, you know, uh, you have your youth. And youth is really wonderful. God, I just spent the living shit out of mine. But the story, you know, I decided to change my life and met a friend. I I just had to have a drink with an old friend who, who I said, Lloyd, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I save lives. I said, you what? I save lives. And Lloyd was never the brightest bulb in the chandelier where I went to high school, but I loved him. Uh-huh. I said, what do you mean you save lives? I work for the local rescue squad. That's what I do. We save lives. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. well, that sounds pretty cool. How do you do that? Well, you have to go to the community college, and then you have to get your EMT, and then if you're really smart, you can go and get your paramedic rate. And I'm going like, Damn, dude! You just handed me what I wanted to do. Well, what's it like? Well, you're gonna see lots of people killed and dead and death, but you're gonna also save a lot of lives, and you're gonna deliver babies, and you're gonna, and you're gonna be called an ambulance driver when you're really not an ambulance driver. And mm-hmm. I said, sounds perfect. Where do I sign up? And that's how I became a paramedic. And of course my the psychologist who was helping me and my ex-wife said this is so good for you. It's just so very good for you because you need a little change and and it and this could be like your new hobby. Guys, when you get on an ambulance and somebody's been gunshot and you're between them and in, in absolute immortality, that's not a hobby. <laughs> no. That's a, that's sheer terror. <laughs> You know, like bowing Winkle the moose, you're doing the antler dance, you know, in circles. Going, oh, wow, you're hurt. We need to call nine one one. Whoa, we are nine one one. So I guess you know to sum this part of the, of my life up, there comes a time when you learn that you are nine one one. If you're not going to fix the situation, then who the hell is? So that brought me to becoming a paramedic, and a paramedic, of course, brought me to Honduras. Which is another whole other story, but yeah, it's about it's about adventure. It's about making the world a better place. Uh, above all, it's about life. Damn <laughs> <Them> booze goosers. <laughs> How about them moose goosers? Ain't they recluse? Down in the boondocks, goosing them moose. Goosing them big mooses, goosing them tiny. Goosing them meta mooses in they honey? look at them moose goosers, ain't they dumb? Some are using umbrella, some use their thumbs and mob. Two smoose goosers sneaking through the woods, poking them a snoozy mooses in they goods. How to be a moose gooser? No way to duck it. Rustle up your gooser and just get round to it. <laughs>